podcast episode two. How you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a busy week, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm Andre and... I'm Max. And we're here back for the Well Said podcast where we're talking about following Jesus in a post-Christian culture and all the interesting things that that includes. Before we dive into our interesting topic today, complicated and maybe controversial, um, what's up, man? What's new with you this week? You've already been telling me a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of new things. Um, I don't know. Just Your kids are sick. <laughs> kids are sick. That's a big one. When kids are sick, your life changes. You think you have a schedule. You think that yeah. <laughs> you're on top of it. You're on the ball. But that gets all thrown into into a loop when your kids get sick. So Dude, everything goes downhill. Basically, Absolutely. you can't you can't really focus on anything in life when you're like my kids are suffering and I need to be there and yeah. I need to be healing and and saving them from all of that. Yeah. And they ask you to stay with them at home in the mornings. It's oh. just so inviting. and Especially well, when here. you have this kind of schedule where you work on your own time. Both of us have that. Yeah. Um, you have to get out of the house, but then technically you're not, you don't have to clock into work. So it's really a battle. It's, it's a, a battle. blessing and a curse it for is. sure. Absolutely. Because then you're like, okay, I'll stay another hour. But then you're like, shoot, I'm way behind on everything else. Yeah. Yeah. That sure. is stress. That is that is the life, man. That's the family life. It's that beauty though. I mean, there's, that's where the beauty is in the grind there. And it's it's awesome. Yeah. And it's great having a, an amazing wife at that point. You're like seeing her being a great mother with the kids and just kind of settles your heart. God yeah. is good. Oh, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, those are the seasons. Yeah. What's new with me? I think just... If I were to say very briefly, I'm just sorry. My kids aren't sick. I feel bad to say that I can't sympathize, that's, but that's a that's blessing. a good thing. That's a great thing. My kids will be sick soon enough, but for now, it's cool to see this season of life where they're both very active and playing, and I can play with them, like in just engaging way more than babies are. Yeah, uh, yeah. they're toddlers, and it's just so much more fun explaining, teaching, thinking with them, imagining. Anyways, that's yeah. fun. I think for fathers, that's the best time, oh, <laughs> the best age. So much fun. And I'm kind of a kid on the inside. I Maybe it's my <laughs> excuse to just be a kid because I have kids. I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of fun with that. Nice. So. Cool. What are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about uh, anxiety, depression, things that I think we've heard about a lot before. Uh, maybe all of us have a past and, or a history with it. We have some kind of a, um, an association with those words. Yeah, and me and you, I think, have a really unique angle here. Um, not to say that we are very knowledgeable. We're still out of water here. Like, I mean, this is, you know, it's a challenging topic for us, and we're not specialized, trained individuals. But yeah, we have had some unique angles. So talk to me about that real quick. Yeah, so I think we both have that uh, background of healthcare and church. Um, growing up in a church, I grew up in a church, you grew up in a church, right? Yeah. Um, and also... You're still in healthcare. I had some time in healthcare about uh, five or six years collectively um, all over the hospital. And you get to see that contrast uh, between the church and, and what healthcare sees, uh, how they see and how they relate to anxiety and depression and these issues. And is there a difference and what kind of a difference is there, Andre? Yeah, I think uh, so. For those of you guys who don't know, I'm I work as a registered nurse. Max worked as an ER tech, as a nursing assistant, all these other different things, surgical assistant, whatever, a lot of things. So we've kind of seen this world of healthcare. We've been immersed into it, and I deal with people still every day who deal with these issues. Um, so from a healthcare perspective, you see differently than from the perspective of growing up in a very conservative 
Baptist church where oftentimes people um, don't interact directly with people suffering with mental illness, anxiety, depression, and even other things like schizophrenia, bipolar, mania, all these things. Um, Going into healthcare as a young person and seeing these people, uh, I worked at the hospital for a time and there's a season when I was in the psychiatric unit a lot, helping out, um, in the emergency psych unit, helping out a lot. Um, You see a world that is very different. Um, You see that, if I were to just wrap it up in a nutshell, you see that this struggle of mental illness is a lot deeper, a lot more powerful, and a lot more um, binding on people's lives than you often think. Because what's the attitude often that we see in the church? It's more of a, I would say it's more of a over-spiritualization of the issue. Um, not, not to say that it's not a spiritual issue because it absolutely is. But the church often seems to ignore the fact that there are physical attributes to anxiety, to depression, uh, to all these mental health issues, that there is actually a physical chemical aspect to it, Mm -hmm. that our brains are uh, a part of our body and that they respond in certain ways. Whereas also the healthcare field, you can't say that they got it all figured out because we see that they don't know how to deal with it either because for them, you know, in the healthcare field, it's all about it's just a physical thing. It's right. not tied to the spiritual world, which we know everything is right. spiritual. Um, and so, you know, over medication or just simply medicating and, and letting people go is kind of the general practice in the healthcare field. Yeah. Whereas in the church, there's no, not really a physical aspect to it, more of just um, there's sin in your life. You know, there's uh, some sort of a judgment or a stigma Mm-hmm. associated with people who are suffering with anxiety and depression. Um, and oftentimes we're left with that question um, or that feeling in the church that if I suffer from this, uh, from depression, from anxiety, what does that mean about me as a Christian? Right. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. Something's wrong with your Christianity. Uh, something's wrong with your faith. Something's wrong with your the way you relate to God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that captures... The two worlds that we see, and this is just two, there's different aspects. There's the therapeutic approach. There's a medical approach. But really, when you look at all the different ways that we respond to mental illness and anxiety and depression in particular, oftentimes it's an oversimplification. So from the medical side, it's an oversimplification of, oh, we are purely biological, physical beings, and all your problems are just physical. There's no spiritual. There's no heart. There's no sin. There's no God. There's no soul. Just physical. So chemicals and medications. From the church side, it's oversimplification or over-spiritualization. So we oversimplify when we say to people, oh, you're just being emotional, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we are just being emotional, but but when you're talking about real depression, anxiety, and people who struggle in a more profound way, you can't just say that to people. You can't yeah. just flatten out their experience because you're ignorant of what they're actually going through. So a little bit more sensitive and careful also over spiritualization by saying, oh, it's just demons. It's all Satan trying to mess with me. Um, not always very helpful either. So when you have these approaches that are not very helpful, what you're doing to these people who suffer is you're pushing them deeper in to their suffering and you're making them feel more alone and more misunderstood. Yeah. So you would say that acknowledgement of the issue that it's real is actually the first step in any case. 
anywhere right. that we go, right? Right. And you're not making judgments about what the problem is or what its depth is, but you have to help any any way of helping people in the church and in Christianity starts with saying, hey, I see you. You know, yeah. I see your struggle. And, and that, you know, you're going to say that to a drug addict. You're going to say that to a person struggling with lust. You're going to st- say that to people struggling with anything. Yeah. Why is it that we often tend to respond to people who are suffering with emotional or mental illnesses, you know, in an insensitive way? So that's a start. So just kind of um, to give a little broader view, I think, to people, one way that I would say is that we see the reality of deep spiritual, mental, emotional, psychological struggles in the Bible. It's not new. Oftentimes the problem is just we're reading our Bibles too quickly. Yeah. Yeah, there's multiple examples throughout the Bible that technically the church has the greatest say in this issue, right? Because we have the truth and God's word is full of these examples, full of these struggles all throughout and something that we can gain from, something that we can learn from and um, and see. What are some of these examples? People like, you know, Moses, Hannah, um, what are some of those examples that you can point out maybe? Yeah, I was just reading Moses, actually Numbers 11. I was just reading that um, yesterday morning. You know, Moses turns to God and says, God, I can't do this. I can't lead these people. Kill me, please. Like he just, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's harsh language. But yeah. um, God doesn't condemn him in that moment. God works with him in that situation. Um, you know, when you look at these situations in the Bible, you don't know if they're momentary dips or if they are deep longings, long struggles. But obviously, Elijah's story, where he, you know, beat up all the prophets, the old, you know, the prophets of Baal, and and then he ran from Jezebel, who was trying to kill him. He was profoundly stressed and exhausted, and he just wanted to die. Um, yeah, again, that's not just any sick kids. I mean, that's someone going after your life, right? Yeah, and that's not, real stress. And this is a prophet of God, like Elijah, like yeah. a, a man of God immensely powerful man in terms of his spiritual maturity. And he's just laying there on the desert floor says, God, just kill me. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, And God doesn't judge him. God doesn't condemn him. God comes in. You know what God does in that situation? If you go back and read the story, God, God says, Elijah, here, here's some food. And he feeds him. Yeah. And then he says, okay, now sleep. And he lets him sleep. And then Elijah sleeps. And then what does God do? God feeds him again. And then God tells him to sleep some more. Like, pretty amazing. Um, If you look at the story, you look at the depth of his emotional, spiritual, mental struggle and how God responded, um, you got to think about it for a little bit. Yeah. We also see a lot of the psalmists uh, all the way throughout the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are one of the most relatable books in the Bible I think just because of that simple reason is that it's it's something that we see, that we understand, that we struggle with every day. And you see the psalmist struggling and, and uh, wrestling with depression, with anxiety in their life, whether, whether that be uh, based on physical uh, things, you know, someone's chasing them. They have that out, outward stress on their life or it's inward. It's struggling and battling with sin like David, where he says his bones were aching. Um, mm-hmm. this, this, uh, pressure on his life that he was dealing with when he was in sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psalm 88 is one of those examples that you just read and he's just talking about just darkness, darkness, darkness. 
Um, he's just going, he's just alone. He's suffering. He's very, very low. Um, so, you know, when you look at the book of Psalms, we mentioned this before, I, the book of Psalms contains all the human emotions, the whole range. The book of Psalms also contains um, every doctrine that we know. Every biblical teaching is contained in the Psalms. That's why we were, when we were talking earlier, I was remembering how, uh, I think it was Spurgeon who, who called the book of Psalms a little Bible. Um, as in, this book contains like almost the whole Bible itself. But for people struggling with deep uh, emotional struggle, internal turmoil, darkness, or, or fear, when you look at the psalmists and you actually stop, you know, slow down, and you take those words in, you're like, wow, this is, you know, this pers- these people were really low. And they're not apologizing yeah. for the darkness. They're not apologizing for their emotional low uh, experience, the, for their depression, for their fear, but they are channeling it in a, in a direction, you know? Um, so a couple, a couple other examples, Jesus in Gethsemane, listen to how he talks, go read it yourself. Or Paul in Corinthians, when Paul talks about he, they were so exhausted that they despaired of life itself. Again, the apostle Paul says, I despaired of life itself. Again, slow down and look at the reality. The Bible presents people who suffer deeply. And so the Bible can connect with this. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Yeah, and outside of the the Bible as well, there's so many examples throughout history of um, men that we look up to that are quoted from the pulpit many times that have also struggled with this issue. It's not just uh, you know generational. It, it's throughout time. It's throughout all of history. We see that people like Richard Baxter, like Charles Spurgeon, believe it or not, people like that suffered with with uh, depression, with anxiety, and we see that so so clearly in their texts, in the ways that they are so open about it and they write about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spurgeon actually struggled with depression um, significantly. There were stories where he would come home after preaching sermons and he would sit in his office and weep and his wife would read to him uh, Richard Baxter, you know, the Reformed <laughs> pastor. So like there's, he he did not glaze over this. If you read his biography, he he consistently goes into this subject and he says, guys, people struggle. Real godly men and women struggle deeply sometimes uh, because of emotion, because of experience, because of um, the condition of their bodies sometimes that impacts their heart. And you can't look down, ridicule, or judge too quickly. You have to come alongside carefully um, with an open ear to listen, to support, to be present. So um, you just look into some of those resources. I will have a link to some of these books, and, and you can just check them out and see. Big thing, just what we're trying to say here, Christians need to be aware that there is a bigger issue here. There's a deeper struggle here. When you talk about mental illness, when you talk about anxiety and depression, you're not just talking about people who are just being emotional. Um, yeah. That there, and really one of the core things that we're going to be saying here this week and next week, that there is a, a complicated interconnection, a complicated uh, relationship between your heart 
your inner person, your inner self, which includes your emotions, your thoughts, your will, you know, your inner person, and between your body, your physical self. This is all one thing, but there's, there's a distinction, your inner man, your outer man. There's a complex relationship between the two that it's not always so simple to say, well, you just need to be more positive. You just need to be more happy. You know, just trust Jesus. Yeah, it would be definitely nice if it was that simple, right? Um, but it's often overlooked and not as uh, not seen as complex because it's not you can't see it, right? It's not a physical thing. It's not right. your leg that's is the, broken. The you, you have a cast on your leg. You have yeah, a cast yeah. on your arm. It's something that is deep inside of somebody that you mm-hmm. can't necessarily get to and right. just see. Right. But see, and that's kind of brings me to, I'll just list some of the causes. Again, when you're talking about the physical body and the spiritual condition, the inner person, the thoughts, the emotions, and the will, you can have a variety of causes that contribute to mental illness. Um, next week, we'll kind of dive deeper into this stuff and just in you know look deeper into emotions and how and why we struggle. But just for our consideration this week, there's a variety, there's layers of causes that all can come together and contribute to deep emotional, spiritual suffering. Um, These causes can include stress. They can include physical pain. They can include lifestyle um, connected to the physical pain that I just said is sickness. Also, just being physically sick can impact your heart and your soul. Um, They can impact your brain chemistry and the brain chemistry impacts our emotions and the heart. So again, there's a really complicated relationship there. It can be caused by sin, of course. It could be caused by us doing wrong things and then being depressed over those things and being sad, being uh, having false thinking patterns, thinking patterns over and over that impact how we feel and who we are. Um, And sometimes, like when you look at Job, what was the cause there of his suffering? Job suffered profoundly, and you can see he was in a deep depression. Um, What was the cause? It was just God permitting. So Job is struggling to view God correctly. He's talking about truth. He's saying true things about God. Job did not renounce God. He did not sin in his heart, it says. But he struggled. And and the fundamental cause behind his struggles was the sovereignty of God working bigger things in the universe than Job was even aware of. So sometimes there's an element of mystery, right? So when you understand that, you have a little bit of a more careful approach. Yeah. So since there's so many different causes or different reasons why someone can be struggling from anxiety, from depression, um, this the causes are just so layered, overlapping. They're so complex. What does this mean about seeking help? Is there that one person or that one cure that you can go to, to, to get help? Yeah. I think when we think about this from a distinctly Christian perspective, you have to understand that the heart, the inner person is always responding to the, to, to our, to, to our situations, to our struggles, right? So if you take a purely physical response and, and try to just medicate um, and go to a, a psychiatrist or a medical doctor, you're addressing one aspect of your suffering, and that aspect is real, the physical aspect. But you're not getting to the heart of your, your true situation because um, it's always connected to the heart. So from a Christian perspective, you have to be equipped and supported with, with rich biblical community 
fellowship, love, and guidance and counseling from a biblical perspective to think about how does Scripture speak to my struggle? How does Scripture instruct me to think and respond to this pain that I am experiencing? Mm-hmm. If you don't have that element, you're still avoiding the core challenge that is coming at you. Even if your body is messed up, right? Your body is broken and you're feeling, your feelings are confused. Your heart is responding to that brokenness and you're still in your heart making sense of it somehow. And that's where scripture comes in. That's where biblical counseling comes in and biblical support in the church. So since this is also a, a multifaceted issue and there is a physical side to it, is there a place for physicians for healthcare, for medication to come into play alongside God's truth being spoken into your life by pastors, Christian counselors, people like that. Yeah, I think, and again, we will dive in a little more detail next week, but I think, yeah, because we're just saying you have to have a holistic approach. If there's something messed up in your body, sometimes we feel emotional experiences because there's a, there is a true mistake in our brain chemistry. That I mean, we are physical creatures, and we we live in broken bodies, so it's a reality. So having a a physical health checkup, um, having a doctor looking at your problems and doing some labs, that never hurts, and that's an important part of every full and healthy approach. But it's where you put your ultimate faith. You know, is your allegiance still in faith in God? Or are you putting faith in a pill? You know, and even Christians need to sometimes go on to um, medications to help align the brain chemistry before they can start thinking and praying properly. So those are all things that, again, layers and complexity and nuance and wisdom. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who says, who's in a church, um, who's struggling with depression or maybe anxiety, and they say there's no resource in the church. There are no resources that uh, are available to me in the church. And when I go to seek help somewhere else, say a psychiatrist or healthcare or a physician, then people in the church can judge you, can look at you differently. There's that stigma again that we were talking about in the beginning about uh, mental health issues in the church and how they're viewed. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, that's actually a great question. It came in actually through our Instagram page from one of our friends up in Vancouver. I think there's a couple of elements here, right? Your church, the church must be educated on a proper response. Uh, the church also needs to have biblical resources. So it would be, it would involve a few things, I think. I mean, talking to your pastor probably, right? Um, asking your pastor what his perspective is on how do you respond to these things and helping make sure that there's a, a unity between you and your pastor and leaders in your church, and then also connecting with some biblical resources. Um, again, we will have some links uh, at the bottom connected to this podcast episode, but I want to throw out there ccef.org. It's a Christian counseling organization, really amazing resources. Um, if you go to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and their counseling um, center for biblical counseling, there's a huge amount of resources there quick book that I want to throw out there is a little short book. It's called Christians Get Depressed Too by David Murray. So when you're in a church setting, when you're not getting help and you need help, you you get the help from the professionals that you need to, but you also need to understand that you need to be equipped biblically to look at your heart struggles in the midst of this 
difficulties. Yeah, it's important, I think, to, to stop and point out the fact that the church is that first line of defense or that first uh, line of help that we need to go to and we need to rely on. And so it's not like that checkbox, you know, when you're doing an application, it says, does your church have resources to help you with anxiety and depression? If yes, check this box. If no, then move on to the next step, right? It's if no, where is that disconnect? Um, We need to understand that that church is very, very important, not only in the issues of anxiety and depression, but in all aspects of our life where they can, where we can help each other. It's that community that gives help and support and speaks truth into our lives. And so fundamentally, we do have to admit that if that is an issue in your church, that is something that you need to address as Mm -hmm. well and something that you can speak to your pastor about, to the people, to the leadership, to the elders, something that you need to bring up. Yeah, and sometimes your whole church is not going to be ready to take some of this stuff in and be supportive. So you have to be very careful who you open up to. Uh, Absolutely. You have to find trustworthy, mature, godly people who can help listen and support and pray and guide and be present in your life through these challenges. And if you're one of these people who tends to judge people who share about these kind of problems, you need to stop and slow down and rethink some things. Next week, we're going to give a little bit more detail about how we struggle in our hearts and why. Uh, Also, we'll kind of give some more specific pointers on the church. How can we as Christians be more careful, nuanced, and effective as we're listening to the struggles of the world around us and the people within the church too? So before we close out, one more thing that we're going to add to every episode is a recommend. So every week, we're just going to throw out something that's making our life easier, some sort of product or whatever we're using in our life that makes things better. So what's your recommend this week, Max? I think we were uh, going to agree on Anna Bellana photography. That's right. Actually, I guess we're going we're gonna to join forces. Yeah, and we're going to join forces just for today at least. <laughs> uh, yeah. She came in here and did some photos for us. She's awesome. Check her out, Anna Bellana photo on Instagram. Um, and I think that's the main thing. That's yeah, I think she has, a, she, yeah. she has a website as well. Uh, but not, not only here, you know, we've experienced her professionalism, but – Literally, this is the only pictures. When she takes the pictures, those are the only pictures that you see me smiling. Yeah, <laughs> and that, my wife has pointed that out to She's me got multiple gift. times. Yeah, <laughs> on our engagement pictures, on our family photo shoots. So definitely go check her out. Give her some love. Cool, awesome, man. Well, that was a pretty loaded episode. A lot of stuff to think about. We'll be back next week with a little more. Um, thanks for listening. Check out well-said.org for more. There's a contact tab if you have questions, concerns, send them in. Um, a lot of our content is on Instagram at the underscore well underscore said or the Facebook page at well said words. Yeah, and if this episode has been helpful or interesting, go ahead and feel free to share it with a friend. Uh, Leave us a quick review on iTunes. That's a huge help to us. That's the biggest way that you can support us and keep these conversations going. Please keep your questions coming as well. Um, That has been awesome to to be able to direct our, our conversations towards real practical questions that you may have. So don't hesitate to send those in. Yeah. I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.